Hello there and happy Tuesday. My name is Frances and I love music. Love it. And movies. Movies and music. And the music used in movies. And TV. I'm the friend who notices the music used in the media constantly to the point that my friends think of me immediately if and when they notice it themselves. So I'd like to welcome you to my podcast, Needle Drops That Will Change Your Life. What is a needle drop? I'm so glad you asked. Wikipedia defines a needle drop as the use of an existing recording rather than an original score in a film. I'd also add television or honestly any other form of media, video games, movie trailers, and more. For example, any of the songs I discuss on this very podcast. Why should you care about my thoughts on needle drops? Well, I'm a great person, obviously, but other than that, being a music supervisor is my dream job but I'm stuck in hot as heck Texas where there aren't a ton of opportunities for me to get into that industry. So I'm dipping my toe back into the world of podcasting to discuss the incredible work that music supervisors do. What exactly do they do? Well, let me tell you. According to the Berklee College of Music, music supervisors artfully select and license pre-existing songs and recordings for use in movies, television shows, and video games. Today, we're continuing the road out west with Joel and Ellie to discuss episode three of HBO's adaptation of The Last of Us. Some spoilers ahead if you haven't seen season one of The Last of Us or watched any of the playthrough of the game. Proceed with caution if you've somehow avoided the TV show or the game. I'd also like to issue a content warning for an aliving oneself. I don't go into super heavy details but I wanted to go ahead and give everyone a heads up just in case. So today we're talking about Long, Long Time by Linda Ronstad, the song, and it's also the name of this episode of The Last of Us. Uh, just a refresher, The Last of Us is the hit show that HBO concluded its first season in uh, March 2023. It is based on the hit 2013 game of the same name, which takes place during a global pandemic based on cordyceps or mushrooms that take over the body and turn people into living mushroom zombie-like creatures. Music plays an important role throughout the series, and today is no different with Linda Ronstadt's Long Long Time, a love song. Who are the music supervisors of the show or movie? Uh, I think I said this man's name wrong last week, but I've decided I think it's Evan Clean. He is a music supervisor at Neophonic Inc., a premium music supervision company based in L.A. He founded Neophonic in 1980. Evan is one of the music supervisors for several HBO shows, including The Last of Us, House of the Dragon, and Euphoria, among many other credits. He is best known for work on the HBO film Bessie, starring Queen Latifah, for which he won a primetime Emmy for outstanding sound mixing for a limited series or movie. Ian Bruchek works or worked at Neophonic with Evan. His past work includes Peacemaker and The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. As a music coordinator, he also worked on Mirror Mirror and Limitless. Ian is a 2022 Guild of Music Supervisors nominee, Best Music Supervision in a Docuseries for Amend, The Fight for America on Netflix. Showrunner Craig Mazin also credits Seth Rudetsky, a host on Sirius XM on Broadway, with helping him find the right song. 
Craig Mazin told IndieWire, I had the thought that this would happen, that there was a song that would be played and that we would be surprised by who was good at it and who was bad at it. I remember saying to Neil Druckmann, uh, the creator of the game and co-showrunner, I'm not sure what the song is. I just know that it has to be this incredibly sad song about yearning for love and never getting love and just making your peace with the fact that you will always be alone. But it can't be on the nose. It can't be a song that we all know. Mazin described what he needed, and within 30 seconds, he received a text from Rudetsky, and he said, I kind of remembered that song. I played it, and I was like, oh my, there it is. What we know about the artist and the song outside of the needle drop. Long, Long Time was written by Gary White and became a hit for Linda Ronstadt in 1970. It was included on Ronstadt's album Silk Purse. The song is about a lasting love for someone who never became a lover. The single spent 12 weeks on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. It peaked at 25. It reached 15 on Canada's RPM 100, which was her first single there. It also reached number eight on Canada's Chum 30 chart and number 20 on Billboard's Easy Listening chart. Linda Ronstadt was nominated for a Grammy Award for Best Contemporary Female Vocal Performance in 1971. So who are the characters in the show? I do want to take a moment to offer my support for both the Writers Guild of America and SAG-AFTRA. Now that both are striking, the terms the studios expect of both are pretty insane, especially with the use of AI. And I hope all parties can come to an agreement soon, but power to the workers and hold your ground. I'd also like to take a minute to offer a huge congratulations to the actors of The Last of Us, nominated for Emmys announced last week, including but not limited to those we'll discuss today. Bill is what we'd probably refer to now as like a doomsday prepper. He's played by Nick Offerman. He lives in a bunker in Lincoln, Massachusetts, near Boston. After the pandemic sets in and the town leaves, Bill fortifies his home and the street he inhabits, gathering gas and turning on electricity via a generator. Frank is a wandering survivor from the Baltimore QZ searching for Boston. He is played by Murray Bartlett of White Lotus fame. Joel is still played by Pedro Pascal. He's traveling with Ellie out west in hope of finding his brother Tommy. Tess is played by Anna Torv. She was Joel's partner in Boston. And unfortunately, we learn in the recap of episode two at the top of the episode, she became infected and she sacrificed herself so Joel and Ellie could escape the Massachusetts State House at the end of episode two. Ellie is played by Bella Ramsey. She's a teenage girl who appears to be immune from the cordyceps virus and is going out west with Joel in search of the fireflies who have been said to be working on a cure for the cordyceps virus. What do we know about the characters to that point in the story? This episode is where we take a pretty big departure from the game and for the better. It is honestly a perfect episode of television, start to finish, and one that everyone interested in any art of filmmaking should watch because it's just that good. Critics overwhelmingly consider the episode the best of the season with Offerman and Bartlett's performances. It was watched by 6.4 million viewers in its first day, and I'm sure it just continued to garner viewers, especially as Offerman and Bartlett hit the uh, late night talk show circuit. So we pick up with Joel and he seems to be making a small totem of sorts in honor of Tess. 
after she became infected and sacrificed herself. Joel and Ellie are on their way to Joel's old contact bills. Joel and Ellie stop by an old convenience store to stock up on provisions once hidden there by Joel. And you have to presume Tess was also included in the hiding. Ellie finds an unopened box of tampons that you have to imagine are incredibly hard to find 20 years after an apocalyptic event. And while in the basement of the convenience store, Ellie finds an infected trapped by the rubble. She slices its forehead open to see if it still bleeds like a human. And after seeing kind of the cordyceps bloom out of its face, she decides to kill it with her knife. Leaving the convenience store, Joel and Ellie continue on until they see a crashed airplane in the distance. Ellie talks about how cool it must have been to be up in the air. And Joel says something sarcastic about only if you like spending $12 on a sandwich. Joel realizes they're coming up on a mass grave and tries to steer Ellie clear of it. But the warning only makes Ellie more curious and want to investigate and see what's ahead. Seeing her confusion and terror, Joel explains that the military went into rural areas to round up people and then shot them. Dead people can't get infected. We zoom in on a piece of green fabric and a piece of like bluish fabric that has a a rainbow on it. And suddenly we're back in 2003. We see a woman and her child in the back of a military truck with the other members of their neighborhood being shuttled out of town. She is who was wearing that green fabric and her baby was wearing the bluish fabric with the rainbows on it. Bill is in his basement and he's watching the proceedings via closed circuit security cameras placed on his own property and enjoying a nice steak dinner. After the town is empty, Bill goes into town and ransacks the stores to stock up on supplies, hitting up the likes of Home Depot to fortify his home and set traps around the street. We flash forward to 2007, so four years later, and Frank falls into a pit that Bill dug as a trap earlier. Frank begs for a shower and a meal. He's lost from Baltimore, where the QZ has fallen, and he's on his way to Boston. After a hot shower and a delicious meal, Frank further intrudes on Bill's space by digging through music books and a piano bench and finds the greatest hits of Linda Ronstadt. Frank plays the first part of the song, Rushed and Horribly, before Bill shoes him away and finishes the song as it should be played. I'm staring at this all over. It's an antique. Wow. You know how much these are worth? Currently nothing. Professional. Look, 
Frank asks who Bill is singing about. He says no one, and they kiss. We again flash forward. It's now 2010. Frank has been communicating with a, quote, nice woman on the radio and has invited her to lunch with him and Bill. And Bill is not happy. Tess, Joel, Bill, and Frank enjoy a nice lunch in the sun before Frank takes Tess inside for a tour. Tess and Frank clearly want to create some sort of partnership between the two duos, and Bill and Joel are not so sure. Bill has kept his pistol out on the table for the whole meal, and Joel finally talks him down and convinces him that he and Tess can help with trading. Again, we flash forward. It's 2013. Some other survivors try to infiltrate Bill's town. A shootout wakes up Frank and he runs out to the street to help Bill defend the territory. Bill yells at Frank to go back inside before he is shot in the stomach. Ten years later, Bill and Frank are well into their 60s. Frank is now using a wheelchair, suffering from some sort of degenerative neuromuscular disease. Although we don't really find out which, theories speculate that it's ALS. And Craig Mazin himself on the official Last of Us podcast says it, it's probably ALS or something similar. One morning, Bill wakes up to find Frank already in his wheelchair without his help, which upsets him as it means Frank has had little to no sleep. Frank asks Bill for one last good day and to help him die. Bill is adamant that there is someone who can help and that the couple will find them. Frank calmly rejects Bill's offer, saying that there was no cure for this ailment prior to the outbreak and that he wants the couple to go to the boutique on the street, pick out nice outfits, and get married before one last delicious meal together. Following their meal, Bill pours one final glass of wine for Frank, laced with enough medicine, quote, to kill a horse, in Bill's words. After taking a big gulp, Frank realizes that Bill also took the lethal dose and Bill confesses to not wanting to live without Frank. Frank wants to be mad, but he finds it incredibly romantic, and they go off to the bedroom. Weeks later, Joel and Ellie find their way to the electric fence guarding Bill and Frank's house. Outside, the house, lawn, and plants are in disarray, leading Joel to worry. Inside, everything is covered in a thick layer of dust, showing neglect. Joel looks for Bill and Frank. Ellie finds an envelope addressed to Joel along with a car key. Ellie reads the letter to herself before Joel comes to the dining room where she's waiting. 
She confirms Joel's suspicions that Bill and Frank are dead and reads the letter aloud to the point that Bill entrusts Joel with his truck and the remainder of his supplies to protect himself and Tess. Joel takes the letter to finish reading it to himself. Following hot showers and fresh clothes, Joel and Ellie take Bill's truck and hit the road for Wyoming. In the truck's cassette player is Linda Ronstadt. Long, long time plays as they drive away. So how does the song relate to the characters and the show? First one. This is 100% for me from Bill's point of view. He confesses after playing the song that he's never been in love and later tells him it's been a long time since he slept with anyone and he's never slept with a man. There's no one at Bill's side. Chorus. This could be either Bill or Frank's point of view. Frank has slowly worked his way into Bill's space, first by asking for a meal and a shower, and then playing his piano and taking him to bed. Bill has allowed Frank into his home, cooked a wonderful meal, and realized Frank is a comforting presence. And 13 years in the apocalypse? That's a pretty long, long time. Verse 2. This feels very Bill. Bill was afraid of letting anyone in, not only to his home, but his heart. The chorus repeats again, but instead of, I think I'm going to love you for a long, long time, the lyrics say, it's going to hurt me for a long, long time. And later, I think I'm going to miss you for a long, long time. Joel losing Tess clearly hurts. And although we don't know the extent of their relationship, it's obvious he misses her. I think Ellie likely misses Tess as well even though she had only known her for like probably two days, but she was a bit warmer with her than Joel is at this point. 
First three is where we pick up as Joel and Ellie drive away in Bill's truck. From Bill's point of view, this is Frank asking to help him die. Bill doesn't want to let go of Frank and live without him would be lonely and miserable. From Joel's point of view, he's mourning Tess still and requests Ellie not speak of her before they set out in the truck. This verse could also be foreshadowing for Joel and Ellie as they embark on a new part of their relationship. Less smuggler and cargo and more partners. Although... Joel still won't let Ellie have a gun, but she found one at Bill's anyway. Don't tell Joel. The chorus repeats as normal to end the song with the word love as the song fades out. Again, this feels like foreshadowing for Joel and Ellie's relationship as we hope it evolves into more of a friendship. Other songs I think could have been used. The first is Let It Be Me by the Everly Brothers released in 1959. The song was originally published in French in 1955 as I will butcher this because I never took French. Je te partiens, je te partiens. Yeah, that's totally wrong, but it was originally French. The Everly Brothers helped to further popularize the song with their 1959 rendition, which reached number seven on the Billboard Hot 100. It has been covered by many throughout the years, including Andy Williams, Nancy Sinatra, Elvis Presley, Willie Nelson, and more. Verse one. This could honestly be any of our four characters in this episode, but it feels most like Bill, Frank, and Ellie. Frank is thankful for the day he met Bill because he was able to eat and get a fresh change of clothes. But more than that, he found a partner and a new life for himself, free from the pandemic. Bill is likely reluctantly thankful for Frank early on, but obviously more thankful as the years go on and they fall in love. The first three years by himself in the pandemic must have been super lonely, even for someone who seemed to prefer being left alone. And Ellie is outside the QZ for the first time ever in her life and on the road. She definitely needs Joel for protection. Verse 2.
Learning that Frank has not only been talking to someone on the radio, but has invited them over for a meal is obviously upsetting to Bill. Not only will they be found out, but their situation could be compromised by the stranger they know nothing about. I imagine as someone who's never had a love like Frank, Bill may feel very insecure about his relationship without people suddenly coming into the mix. Verse 3. Bill and Frank both must often wonder what their lives would be had they not encountered each other. Would Bill have given up on the loner lifestyle at any point? Would Frank have found the Boston QZ or would the infected have found him first? Verse 4. Bill is upset when Frank wants to die and ultimately joins him in the suicide. Ellie and Joel are warming to each other after a few days together on the road and experiencing the horror of Tess's death. While love isn't quite on the table, there's definitely some affection for one another. Another song I think could have been used here is Make You Feel My Love by Bob Dylan. This song was written by Bob Dylan for his album Time Out of Mind and was released in September 1997. It is one of the few songs to achieve the status of becoming a standard in the 21st century, having been covered by more than 450 different artists. A standard is a musical composition of established popularity considered part of the, quote, standard repertoire of one or several genres. Even though the standard repertoire of a given genre consists of a dynamic and partly subjective set of songs, these can be identified by having been performed or recorded by a variety of musical acts, often with different arrangements. A few of the artists who have recorded covers include Adele, Neil Diamond, Garth Brooks, Kelly Clarkson, Pink, and obviously many, many more. Spectrum Culture included the song on a list of Bob Dylan's 20 best songs of the 90s. In an article accompanying the list, critic John Paul described it thus, quote, accompanied by a lone piano, ghost-like bass line, and slightly woozy sounding organ playing sustained notes throughout, the arrangement of the song isn't terribly remarkable. The meat of the song itself, relying on Dylan's surprisingly emotional read and jazz-like chord progression. Billy Joel released his version of the song titled To Make You Feel My Love for his compilation album Greatest Hits Volume 3 one month earlier. It was released as the album's lead single and reached number 50 on the U.S. Billboard 100. Garth Brooks's cover was used in Hope Floats in 1998 and was sung alongside his future wife Trisha Yearwood. 
Brooke's version resulted in a 41st Grammy Award for Best Male Country Vocal Performance and a nomination for Bob Dylan for Best Country Song. Adele's version was featured on the soundtrack of the 2010 romantic comedy When in Rome. She released her cover in 2008 on her album 19, and the song originally peaked at number 26. Verse 1. This, to me, feels like Frank offering his love to Bill. Verse 3. This also feels like Frank to me pleading with Bill to let him spruce up the town and saying, paying attention to things. It's how we show love. Oh, fuck you. Come on. Hey, would you stop? Do I ask for things ever? Why am I even saying that? This isn't for me. This is, this is for us. Who cares what they look like? I do. Our home isn't just... Our house, it's everything around us! Give me a fucking break. Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot. I live in this world. You live in a psycho bunker where 9-11 was an inside job and, and the government are all Nazis. The government are all Nazis! Well, yeah, now, but not then. I am asking for some paint and some gasoline for the lawnmower. That's all. I'll do everything else myself. It is not Billy, a man. You say resource management? So help me, I will run through one of your tripwires. Okay, okay. Just tell me why. I did. Paying attention to things. It's how we show love. This is my street, too. Just this was of course not only a plea to paint the shops and homes in their place in the world but likely a plea for bill to let frank fully in verse four Being a caretaker for someone is really hard work, and that's in a world with medical advances. To take care of someone with health issues in a world like Bill and Frank live in is a whole different level. Bill clearly shows his love through his care for Frank in the last years of their life. Verse 5.
not to foreshadow too heavily into the remainder of the season or what may be to come when the series returns and continues to cover game two, but this very much feels like Ellie and Joel to me. The road is a dangerous place with raiders, other smugglers, the infected, and who knows what else. Joel is prepared to take Ellie on this journey to find Tommy and in turn protect her from any harm that may come their way since he won't give her a gun. Other media the song was used for and or covers of the song. In 1976, Larry Santos released a cover of the song, which reached number 38 on the Billboard's Easy Listening chart and number 109 on Billboard's Bubbling Under the Hot 100. The song was also used in Hot Summer Night in 2018 and the Rockford Files Season 1, Episode 22, Roundabout in 1975. How did the needle drop affect Long Long Time? After this episode was broadcast, Spotify announced that streams of the song increased by 4,900% over the previous week. In the period after the episode was broadcast, the song also topped three separate Billboard charts more than 50 years after its release. It placed number one on the rock digital song sales, Lyric Find U.S., and Lyric Find Global Rankings dated February 11th, 2023. After its sync in the January 29th episode of the show, time garnered lyric search and usage increases of 3,013% in the U.S. and 2,074% globally in the January 30th February to February 5th tracking week, according to Lyric Find. Additionally, in the tracking period running January 27th through February 2nd, the song earned 6,000 downloads in the U.S., according to Luminate, enough to place it atop the rock digital song sales ranking. This jump was 11,181% from a negligible amount the prior week. However, its gains weren't limited to sales. Social media chatter and lyric usages also increased. In the U.S., Long Long Time saw a 1,042% lift in official streams in the January 27th to February 2nd timeframe, from 79,000 streams to 903,000 streams. The number ones mark the first rule on a Billboard chart for the song. It's the second sync success for The Last of Us on the Billboard charts, following Depeche Mode's Never Let Me Down Again, covered last week on this very podcast which returned to multiple rankings after being heard in the series premiere two weeks prior. That's all for today. Join me next time when I geek out over another needle drop. Leave a rating and review if you are so inclined, and let me know what song you would sing to a potential new partner. If you're listening on Spotify, be sure to answer the question at the end of the podcast in the interact section. You can also visit my podcast page on Spotify, link in the show notes, and leave me a voice message. Don't forget to follow the podcast on Instagram at Needle Drops Podcast and tell your friends. I also started a TikTok at Needle Drops Podcast. Nothing's up yet, but go ahead and give it a follow. This podcast is hosted, produced, and edited by me, Francis. Social media support also provided by me. Thank you for listening, and please don't forget to share needle drops that will change your life with someone in your life. If you are feeling extra generous, please, please, please leave a rating and review on whichever platform you prefer. Word of mouth and reviews so, so, so help new podcasts. See you next time.